0: Hi, this is Ann Robertson, the pastor of the United Methodist Church of Westford in Westford, Massachusetts. This is the sermon from church here on October 29, 2006. The title of it is The New Math, and it relates to our stewardship campaign, which is culminating in Commitment Sunday next week. Please remain standing for the reading of the gospel, which comes from the gospel of Luke, chapter 9, verses 12 through 17. You'll notice it sounds kind of similar to the Elisha story that Sandy read. The day was drawing to a close, and the twelve came to Jesus and said, Send the crowd away so that they may go into the surrounding villages and countryside to lodge and get provisions, for we are here in a deserted place. But Jesus said to them, You give them something to eat. They said, We've no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. For there were about five thousand men and he said to his disciples make them sit down in groups of about 50 each they did so and made them all sit down and taking the five loaves and the two fish he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd and all ate and were filled what was left over was gathered up twelve baskets of broken pieces this is the word of god for the people of god Thanks Thanks be to God. You may be seated. During my years in school, it didn't take me long to discover that I was really good with words. I was reading well above my grade level. The first drafts of papers were usually the final drafts of papers. I usually didn't have to do too much editing. Math, on the other hand, didn't come quite so readily. I dreaded math classes. And as soon as I had all the math credits I was going to need for college, I quit taking it. And one of the reasons I went to Bucknell University was because they didn't require math classes once I got there. It was one of those high-priority things for me in selecting a college. I did learn enough that I can always balance my checkbook. I can figure the tip at a restaurant. But sometimes there are things that still trip me up. Like the time my church, when I was a layperson, put me in charge of buying enough pints of strawberries to make 50 jars of jam. We mug our visitors here, we jammed our visitors there, and the task involved both math and cooking recipes. Now, they should have known me that that was a really bad combination, but I carefully figured exactly what I would need, and I went out and I bought the strawberries, now, I've always claimed that the reason we ended up with 100 jars of jam instead of 50 was that it was a church project and Jesus blessed the strawberries and <laughs> multiplied the strawberries and we had more than enough. There are some who claim that I merely messed up the math and bought too many strawberries and was necessary, but I stand by my story. I think one of the delightful messages in the Bible for those of us who may be math phobic is the message here in the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Let God do the math. This story is one of the few that's told in all four of the Gospels. And in every version, the disciples are hung up trying to do the math themselves. 5,000 men plus women and children, and they're all hungry. The disciples don't have enough money to go out and buy food, they've counted that, They only have a small number of fish, loaves of bread that they've brought themselves. Providing for that crowd is impossible. They'll have to go away and fend for themselves. The math is more than obvious. Jesus, however, is completely untroubled by the unbalanced equation. Because Jesus knows about the new math. The math of the kingdom. Where whatever you have plus the power of God always equals what you need he divides the group multiplies the loaves and the fish and there's not only enough food for everybody there's 12 baskets of food left over i wish i'd known about that when i was taking algebra it just would have made it so much easier but this is not new to jesus going back hundreds of years we find the prophet elisha doing much the same thing as sandy read to us Here comes a man bringing food from the first fruits of his garden. The word first fruits, when you hear it in the Old Testament, is sort of code for the tithe. You brought a tenth of your income to God before you did anything else. And in an agricultural society, that was usually grain or flocks from the herd, something for the sacrifice. So he comes with his tithe to Elijah, the man of God. And Elisha tells him to feed a 100 people with it. But what I have won't feed a 100 people, he says. It's not enough. Do the math. But Elisha, like Jesus, knows about the new math. Let God worry about balancing the equation, says Elisha. Put the food before the people. He does, and again, there's not only enough, but there's some left over. People often spend a whole lot of time, lifetimes even, trying to figure out whether some of the biblical miracles are possible with the logic and science that we know. And I don't mean to discount somebody's life work, but I think spending that time that way might be interesting, but I think it misses the point. One thing is clear throughout the Bible, and that is that God can do what God darn well pleases. If God can create the entire universe with a word, a few more loaves of bread and a couple of fish are not going to be a big deal. God is not just a bigger, more powerful version of us. God is qualitatively different than we are. And trying to limit God to our math and to our logic is like an ant colony trying to limit human behavior to logic and instinct that guides their own lives. Doesn't work. But the power of God is only half of these two feeding stories. The other thing to notice is that neither Elisha nor Jesus actually do the feeding. Neither one of them actually provided any of the food. They serve as the channels for the power of God. But it's the disciples who give the gifts and who do the feeding. In the Luke passage, the disciples have already been through a lot of training. Jesus had just sent them out on their first mission just before this. They were out on their own to heal the sick, to cast out demons, and to proclaim the kingdom of God. And the reason they're out in the wilderness with Jesus where this story takes place is to report on that mission and to let Jesus know what happened and how it went. They don't get their time apart. Instead, they get yet another experience and another lesson. It's kind of ironic, really, because they've just been out working miracles in Jesus' name, and we learn that it. It happened. They come back pretty amazed. Hey, we healed people. It really, it worked, this, this power of God thing. For the first time, they were the ones who'd healed the sick and cast out the demons. They've seen the power of God through their own hands. And yet when Jesus says, feed the people, they go right back to their old way of thinking. Nope, not enough to go around, not enough money to go out and buy stuff. How quickly we forget. The equation used in kingdoms math is that God's power plus our resources equals the needs of the world. That was the mission from which the disciples had just returned. In obedience they went out and they offered themselves. God added God's own power to human willingness and human diseases were cured and demons fled. They gave of their food Jesus added the power of God, and it equaled enough for 5,000 men plus women and children. In fact, that's what Jesus himself was about. Humanity gave a fully human body. God infused that human body with God's own spirit and power, and Mary named him Jesus. That combination of the human and the divine provided for the need of the world. Same equation. And many have seen the feeding of the 5,000 as Jesus pointing right back to his own purpose and calling. In John, this story is quickly followed by Jesus saying that he is the bread of life and that whoever comes to him will never be hungry. There will be at least 12 baskets left over, 12 baskets of broken pieces. And Luke says, this is my body, broken for you. There are some Christian traditions that think it's blasphemy to suggest that God needs anything. And in one sense, that's true. God isn't deficient in anything. But I do believe that God has so ordered creation that we're meant to participate in the will of God for the world. From the very beginning, God loved us enough to make us an integral part of the equation, God's power plus our resources equals the needs of the world. That's part of what we're talking about when we talk about stewardship. The disciples offering their bread and fish was an act of stewardship. The bread and fish were created by God in the first place and were given to us to satisfy a need. Jesus directs them to use their particular gifts to satisfy the hunger of the crowd. And as good stewards... They do so, even when they don't believe it's really going to make a difference. The man in Second Kings obediently brings his tithe as an acknowledgment that the harvest is a gift from God and that God intends for some of that harvest to be used to feed others. He brings the tithe and a hundred are fed. Next week, we'll be offering to God our part of the kingdom math equation as we bring in our pledges for the coming year one thing this story and others makes clear is that it's not the amount that matters it's the willingness to give as god directs that counts it's the true desire to feed the multitude that kicks in the power of god making our gift whatever it is enough for even the greatest work the disciples gave all they had the man in second kings gave only a tenth of his harvest In both cases, it was enough when combined with the power of God and the willingness of the people to give as God directed. After the telling of the loaves and fishes story in the Gospel of Mark, the disciples get in a boat and they head across the Sea of Galilee, and they become distressed when they realize that they haven't brought enough food. They've only one loaf of bread for all 13 of them. They just did this miracle, and Jesus can't believe his ears in Mark. Why are you talking about having no bread, he says to them, probably banging his head against the mast. Do you still not perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes and fail to see? Do you have ears and fail to hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of pieces did you collect? And they said to him, 12 and the seven for the 4,000 how many baskets full of broken pieces did you collect then and they said to him seven Then he said to them do you not yet understand see Jesus going ay, 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 ay. this is still the question that God asks of us today do you not yet understand that I God loves to give Do you not yet understand that if you give, your giving will be so blessed and multiplied that there will be more left over than when you started with? If you've said in your heart that you want to be a disciple of Jesus, then you have the same job that the 12 disciples of Jesus had, to make your own resources available to be added to the power of God to meet the needs of the world. That's how the kingdom of God can come on earth as it is in heaven. God won't be able to do it without our participation. Not because God couldn't, but because God has decided that we're to be a part of that equation. It's because God won't do it without our resources. God's power plus our resources equals the needs of the world. I still think that I bought exactly the right number of strawberries. God just knew that we were going to need more jars of jam for all the visitors that were going to be coming into the church. And when even a little church can give what it can with a cheerful heart, the whole world can still be fed at its table. Amen. Thanks for subscribing to Spirit Walker Sermons. If you're ever in the area, stop in for worship at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings at 10 Church Street in Westford, Massachusetts love to have you stop by my website at www.annrobertson.com, where you can also subscribe to a weekly devotion, which you can receive either as an email or a podcast. I'd love to hear from you via email at an Thanks again for subscribing, and I hope your week is filled with God's blessings.